This podcast is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, check out our website at communitycovenant.net. Church. My name is Pastor Brad Bergfalk, and this is my uh, first Easter in Alaska. And uh, not that it would be any different from any place else, except for the fact that um, many of you may not know this about pastors, but there's a couple times in the life of, of our occupation, our vocation, where you, uh, you get more nervous than usual. And one of those is, of course, Easter Sunday. You don't want to say something stupid, which... If my wife was here, she'd say, Brad, that's too, that's too late for that. Uh, anyway, uh, I just want to personally welcome you for being here. I know that uh, sometimes getting up and coming to a service at 8.30 in the morning is not the first thing that's on your mind. I'll give you a hint. It's not the first thing that's on my mind either sometimes. But um, thank you. Thank you for being here. And uh, wherever you happen to be in your spiritual journey, whether you're walking away from God, walking toward God, or find yourself standing next to God, it's okay. Um, through our worship today, we want to make sure that you uh, uh, leave here with a sense that this God that has the power to raise Jesus from the dead also has the power to change the circumstances in your life so you do not have to continue to sort of plod through life the way you have been up till now. So I can't, I can't promise you th- that anything will change with you unless you choose to make some decisions. But nevertheless, that's why this is such a great day. Let's pray together as we prepare to hear God's word this morning. God, help me to get out of the way so that the scripture and the truth of this day might deeply penetrate into our hearts and our minds so that when we leave here in a few minutes, we are not the same people as we were when we walked in. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Why do you look for the living among the dead? What kind of question is that? When one is standing in the middle of a memorial garden where dead people are presumably buried. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Where else would one find the body of their beloved friend and teacher, Jesus, who on Friday was was crucified on a cross between two common criminals? Why? Why do you look for the living among the dead? The messenger asks. Because I have come here with spices and all of the necessary things to, to attend to the, to the burial practice that's been going on for generations and that every human being deserves, even though this is a high holiday. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Now, I suppose Mary and the others could have responded to this stranger's query on this particular day with any of these answers that I've just given uh, you. Instead, the Bible says that they stood there and they were perplexed. They, they They were perplexed and their mouths were agape as they wonder what had happened to the body of this one whom they loved. 
And the angel's question caught them off guard. They were thinking about a course of action, the women in the garden that day, based on a a certain set of assumptions that they came to the garden that day with. Dead bodies need to be prepared for burial. That was the set of assumptions that those women came into the garden with that day, right? And this messenger from God, this angel that greeted them in the garden, turned their world absolutely upside down with this simple question that I ask you today. Why do you look for the living among the dead? I have read this story thousands of times in the course of my pastoral ministry. Believe it or not, I've preached this text many, many times over over the years. And, And never before has this angel's question to these women startled me the way it has these past few days as I've been trying to get my head around this this story and what it might mean for us at Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska in 2013. You see, for those of us like me who've been around the church for a while, and perhaps those of us who have drifted away from the church, but we grew up in it and, and we know all the stories, for, for those of us who know this story, we, we, we come to this story and we've been sufficiently inoculated by our experience in church so that we don't hear this familiar story with, with the same kind of zing that we once did. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes if we're not careful, those of us who've heard this story a hundred times, if you've heard it once, if we're not careful, if, we, if we, we treat this story around these events of the passion the same way that, that we view a, a familiar movie that, that we've watched a hundred times. With a smile and, and perhaps a yawn, we, we sometimes let the details of the story just pass us by. The sad parts of the story aren't quite as sad, and the joyous parts aren't quite as joyful, because we already know how the movie's going to end. We already know how this story is going to end. A few years ago, I was driving home from the Good Friday service that our church was holding, when one of my children in the car asked me, Daddy, what are you going to preach about on Easter Sunday morning? It, it was an honest question from a, from a pastor's kid trying to make Holy Week conversation with their pastor dad in the car. This is what happens in pastor's families. Well, I said, I, I expect that, that, that the people who will be coming to worship on Easter expecting me to say something about the resurrection of Jesus. So that's what I think I'm going to preach about on Sunday. 
they thought for a moment, and then they exclaimed, But Dad, every pastor in every church in town will be preaching about the resurrection of Jesus. Can't you find something different to preach about? Out of the mouths of children has come a view that many of us hold whether we are willing to admit it or not this morning. When we read this this resurrection narrative, our familiarity with the story limits us from hearing the, the passion and the power of this text. So how can we address this story today in such a way that, that we see it with a new set of, of glasses, if you will? How can we approach this truly unbelievable story in a way that, that captures our passions once again? Why do you look for the living among the dead? You know, maybe, maybe it's because I'm the new transitional pastor here that some of you will be paying more attention than usual, maybe. Maybe getting up to get to this service, you've been drinking so much caffeine that you're wired right now. I, you know, I don't know, but let's, let's not kid ourselves, okay? This is the same glorious story that has been told from generation to generation. This is the story that our parents heard and their hearts were moved to faith. This is the story that their parents heard and, and their parents before that, no matter how cleverly that I uh, try this morning to, to couch this marvelous story and try to capture your attention. The real burden, I, I'm sorry to say this, but the real burden of this story and how it will impact each and every one of us this morning rests on us alone. The, the question that the angels asked the woman in the garden that morning might as well be directed to us you know what that question is yeah you do why do you look for the living among the dead we may not find ourselves on the way to a cemetery with grave clothes and spices prepared to say our last goodbyes to someone that we love, but we are no less inclined than those women who, who thought that they were looking for the corpse of a dead man among the dead. When in actual fact, they should have been looking for a living Lord among the dead. Why? The angel asked, do you look for the living among the dead? This is the question that I want you to consider today. You know, when you think about it, a slight difference in our perspective can make a huge difference in how one goes about their, their business, right? Their life, their loves, their losses. Where we stand in relationship to those events in our lives can make all the difference in the world. The woman who were looking for the body of Jesus that day are a perfect example of what I'm talking about. 
Had they known or believed that Jesus was actually raised from the dead, as he said, do you think for a moment that they would have lugged all those burial spices all the way to that cemetery that morning just to take care of the body of a corpse? Absolutely not. Had they thought that they were really going to find Jesus alive, do you think that these women would have acted with such astonishment? When the angels disrupted their routine, disrupted their routine with this question, why? Why do you look for the living among the dead? And they just as well could have answered that question by saying this, because we come here today looking for a dead guy. You see, you and I are not unlike those women when it comes to how we view the resurrection of Jesus. Whether we are faithfully attending worship all year or just happen to roll out of bed a couple times a year, doesn't matter. The last thing that we expect to find when we walk into church on most Sundays is the living Lord. How do I know this? Because if we actually believed if we actually believed for a moment that we were going to encounter the living presence of God when we walked into the door of a church, we would take Annie Dillard's advice who says that everybody should, should put on crash helmets because where the presence of God is, all hell breaks loose. Whenever one encounters the presence of the living God, there is no telling what can happen. All the rules change. All of our expectations turn upside down. So here we are, you and I, together again, maybe meeting for the first time, I don't know. And I ask you the same question that the angel asked the women in the garden. Why do you spend your life looking for the living among the dead? Let me rephrase it. Why do you spend your life attending to the matters that only concern the ways of this world and have nothing to do with the ways of God? Oh, that's getting a little closer, isn't it? Or to put it yet another way, why do you still chase after the, the corpse of our culture rather than allow yourself to be transformed by the life that the living Lord offers to you today. When I uh, think about all of, the, all of the activities that take up most of the time in the course of my week, I must confess, and I'm not actually surprised by this, to discover that much of what I do and what a much, uh, much of what I invest my time in, the amounts of emotional energy that I spend, have a great deal to do with the land of the dead. And in most cases, those same things don't have anything to do with living in the land of the living. Now, some of these activities uh, are needful and necessary, so don't misunderstand me here this morning. For example, we need to finish our income tax. You know, sorry to bring that up, but... Fifteen days from now, Uncle Sam's going to be asking for something from us. 
Washing the dishes. I can't tell you what a boring and monotonous job that has been over the last 50 years of my life. Every day, there's a new set of dirty dishes. How does that happen? For, for a while, I, I thought it, that, that somebody came magically in the middle of the night, but it was my wife that was staying up late after I was sleeping on the couch who was doing it. You see, that's, that's one of those activities that's part of the, the land of the dead. Brushing one's teeth, studying for an exam. But, but I, I'm afraid that that oft-used phrase that that little boy, you know, you know that little boy who I'm talking about from the movie The Sixth Sense would apply to most of us at that most riveting moment in the film when he says, I see dead people. People who spend most of their days attending to the business of the dead. You see, the agenda of our culture, the priorities and the posturing of our community are not the same as the priorities of the living Lord. They're not. Our, our, our pursuit of material comfort is, is a principal activity of the, of the dead. The obsession of our culture for satisfying every urge that we have from, from, from weight loss to more leg room. It's, it's dead end stuff. The unofficial moniker of our generation, and I hope that the younger generation can come up with a better one than this, don't worry, be happy, is chiefly among the details of the dead. So when the angel confronts those well-meaning women in the garden on this day with this startling question, it not only knocks the women off their high heels, but it also confronts us at the very core of who we are and what we believe about life and how we live the life that we have been given. If indeed we believe that life is beautiful. And perhaps you saw that mailer that came to your house this past week or so. If we believe that life is beautiful, even in the midst of all the ugliness, because of this very familiar story that we have heard recounted again this morning, then I ask you this question. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Occasionally I... Uh, I spend hours, I hate to admit this, browsing in old bookstores. Sometimes I just like to browse, and when I find a book that I, looks interesting to me, I'll pull it off the shelf and blow the dust off of it and begin to read it and touch it and handle it. You know, I, that's just kind of a goofy uh, hobby. I don't recommend it for anybody. But anyway, uh, Sometimes I have a very specific book in mind that I'm looking for, perhaps in my line of work, you know, a book about God or something, you know. And, and unless I have all afternoon, I can spend all the time in the world looking for a theology book in the cookbook section of the bookstore, and I am not likely to find it. Why do you look for the living among the dead? When, when we browse on the Internet, 
we learn very quickly that the, the amount of content that's on the, the web is, is so vast that it is virtually impossible for us to find that, that specific piece of information by, by haphazardly clicking from, from one link to the next. And, you know, the real hardcore uh, web people among us may still do that. I, I don't know. Instead, we turn to a, a search engine, a targeted search and we request that search engine to search for exactly what we're looking for. Why do you look for the living among the dead? If you have a young family, you have perhaps already discovered that there's no end to the numbers of activities that you can enroll your children in, right? For their benefit and well-being. And if you are not careful, you'll find yourself spending most of your time driving your children from, from one event to the next and all the while listening to them whine and complain in the back seat. And you wonder to yourself, why have you set your entire life aside for this? I won't, I won't take a show of hands because I'm sure there's plenty of people that know that feeling. But in our, our, our strange compulsive parenting culture, if your child shows interest maybe in one thing or two things, that's never enough, right? Somehow we're, we're neglecting them as a parent if we do not provide our children with every opportunity that comes their way. And yet we crawl into bed at night, exhausted at the end of the day, and we suddenly realize that, that we've got to do this all over again tomorrow. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Some of you are at the peak of your careers. You are more comfortable now than you've ever been in your life. You make more money now than you've ever made. And if you can just continue, just hold on to the pace of your life just a little longer, you will have accumulated enough of a nest egg to, to buy that place on Big Lake or wherever it is you want to uh, retire. You'll be able to buy that snow machine that you've had your eye on for years. And you'll finally be able to relax and spend time with the people who you love the most, even though you've spent the last 25 years hardly seeing them. Right? Just a little longer, and everything will be different. The, the proverbial carrot and the stick is what keeps you getting out of bed, doing what you do, whether you like it or not. Why do you look for the living among the dead? The question that the angel asked the women in the garden left the women breathless because it never occurred to them that when they arrived to prepare the body of a corpse, there was no corpse for them to prepare. And today I want to ask you the same question as we arrive at Easter Sunday, prepared to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Well, many of us spend the bulk of our lives chasing around corpses. If you're looking for a corpse where dead people dwell, then keep on doing exactly what you're doing and you'll find one because they're everywhere. There are plenty of corpses in our culture to go around. If, on the other hand, you are looking for life in the spirit of a living God, a resurrected Lord, you will not find that in the cemetery of our culture. 
You won't find that at the Fifth Avenue Mall. You won't find that as captain of, of your high school soccer team or as the valedictorian of your graduation class. No, you won't find that. Why do you look for the living among the dead? It's a pretty simple question, don't you think? With a life-transforming answer, and if the resurrection of Jesus means anything at all, surely it means that we can stop doing what we're doing in the land of the dead and begin to do what Jesus does in the land of the living. The choice is ours to make today. And every day we are confronted by the temptation to look for the living among the dead. Why do you look for the living among the dead? The angels asked. kind of hot up here. And we can be assured that when Jesus gives us eyes to see what real living looks like, yes, there are plenty of dead people out there wandering around pursuing lives of hopelessness and despair, whether they know it or not. There are plenty of people who have mistaken the living for a corpse but make no mistake about it, there will not be any dead people at Jesus' resurrection party. And as far as I can tell, the only requirement is that we answer one question. Why do you look for the living among the dead? I don't know if you drug yourself here this morning and you feel like those women with a heavy load of burial spices and you're probably not going to come back next week or next month. Or if you got up this morning and, you, you know, you jumped out of bed and this is the highlight of your uh, spiritual experience Easter Sunday, as it is for followers of Jesus it doesn't really matter where we find ourselves on the journey to or away from God. I think this is a valid question that we can all ask ourselves. And how we answer this question today will make a, a lot of difference on how we live our life tomorrow. So let me just ask you one more time. You already know the question. Why? Do you look for the living among the dead? For those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, we can respond with the same resolve that the angels did on that glad day in the garden when they said, He is not here. There's no corpse here. He's risen. He's risen indeed.